HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hardcore is a new series from Heritage Radio Network. Over six episodes, we're taking a close look at the rebirth of American cider. Really, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that cider started to be revitalized in the United States. From the science of fermentation. So yeast, it's a fungus, it's a unicellular fungus. To the magic of terroir. What really excites us is thinking about communicating that very sort of spiritual aspect of knowing a piece of land. We're setting aside our cider donuts to gain a deeper understanding of this singular beverage. I love a cider donut. You don't have to have a cider donut with your cider, and I will die on that point. Subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, here with my co-hosts, Katie Mosman-Wadler and Hannah Forden. Hey, Kat. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. What day is it? Where am I? Where am I? <laughs> happy to be here. What? We're a little frazzled this week. We're tired. What's the opposite of frazzled? What's post-frazzlement frazzled? Fried. Fried. Uh, Singed. Broiled. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll talk about why in a second. We do have some very special guests joining us in the studio today. Yes, we do. Uh, First, we have some of our fabulous interns joining us in the studio today. We have Ruby, Jess, and Nicole. Hi, guys. Hi. So in sync. I love it. Um, We have our friend Jacob Dean. Hello. Food writer and psychologist. We're going to have you try to lean way oh, into yeah, the microphone perfect. so we can hear your voice. Great. Glad to be here. Uh, and? And? You may have seen them on TV as recently as two nights ago. Yeah. They were on uh, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, and we want to thank them for following up that really important appearance by coming all the way out to Bushwick to be on Heritage Radio Network. We have Frank Ubley. Ubel. Ubel. I'm sorry. Not at all. The co-founder of Pie Pizzeria and the COO of Clementine's Naughty and Nice Creamery. And 
Tamara Keefe, the CEO and founder of Clementines. Welcome to both of you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All the way from St. Louis. That's right. The Midwest. Representing. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I want to give a quick shout out to Amanda Wang, our engineer in the booth. Happy Thursday, folks. Happy Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Um, you may have heard Tamara on episode 40 of Meat in 3 when I talked to her about some of her boozy ice creams and how she gets the booze in the ice cream. If you've ever tried to like make boozy popsicles, you know that you hit a point where it's so much booze that you can't freeze it anymore. And she has a special way of making these recipes to where the, the, it actually is boozy. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. First, we have some announcements. We did a boozy thing. We did a very boozy thing on Monday. <laughs> uh, we had our 10th anniversary gala on Monday night. We, uh, it was incredible. We, we all might sound just a tiny bit fried because of that. But um, it was decisively the most that HRN has ever raised on a single day, for sure, by yeah. a lot. So thank you, everybody, for your incredible support in helping us ensure another 10 years of food radio. Also, we honored all of the inductees to our Hall of Fame, and we had just an incredible assortment of people in the room. It was really cool because it was like people who knew each other from many, many decades of working in the food industry in New York and far beyond. A lot of our friends traveled from lands far, far away to be at the party. Many of our chef friends traveled from far away to come and cook. We had insane food and beverages and um, it, a really beautiful uh, selfie wall. Our friend Silvio the Boar um, joined us over at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden in that beautiful space and we took a lot of photos very graciously with all of our guests. <laughs> and um, I think one of his Teeth looks a little crooked now. Um, <laughs> I'm just glad one of his ears didn't time. fall off in transit. Seriously. Um, he tried to get into ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys have any highlights from the gala? Gosh, it went by so fast. Like four hours seems like it's going to be a long time. And then when you realize you have 300 friends in the room, you really don't have time to do much of anything. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get to eat as many bites as I wanted, but I did get to have uh, Trig Brown's uh, milk bun sandwich from Winsun. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I agree. I think there's like a weird way that time moves when it's something you've been preparing for for, you know, a year and it's happening. And the nicest thing to me was like every time I like turned a corner or was like trying to go somewhere to help someone do a thing, I would feel like a little soft hand on my back and it would be someone just like being like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm having a good time, which is incredible because it can be a little bit stressful but like everyone was having such an amazing time yeah. everyone was so generous and we just had the most amazing time and like speaking of friends coming from out of town there were so many incredible bites um but our friend todd richards came up from atlanta with cedric mccrory from one flew south and they had the yummy warm mushroom risotto which like really stood out for me because i think it was the kind of like nourishing carbohydrates that i needed to get me through and we had lunch with him the next day, and there was yes. a risotto on the menu. He says, I'm tired of risotto. <laughs> I've had enough risotto. But he did order the fried chicken at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, which I, is, like, one of the highest compliments, because no one does fried chicken like Todd Richards. No. He is the the crown king of fried chicken, mm -hmm. and he approved. It was mm -hmm. delicious. That was fun to watch. He's like, it's good. <laughs> it's good. I would be very nervous to serve a fried chicken <laughs> to Todd Richards. <laughs> um 
again, I, my, my, like one of my biggest highlights of the night was that, um, one of my best friends from college, I knew that he was coming and he lied to me about what date he was bringing. And he surprised me with one of our other best friends from college. And I just like turned around and saw her and I was just like beyond, it was just that stunned. Like I thought maybe I was just hallucinating cause I was like kind of, it was a stressful day, but it was beyond like the loveliest thing that could have happened. Like icing on top of this incredible gala cake that we were having. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, we had people from all, both coasts there. We had Paul Willis, the hog farmer from Iowa there Mm -hmm. representing the Midwest. Uh, it was, it was nice. We had Jack and Aaron back of, um, HRN emeritus status. Our former executive director and executive producer were able to come in and join us. Um, we had Nell Newman and Sarah Moulton and Todd Richards all kind of co-hosting our VIP hour and uh, a lot of like really legit people from the New York restaurant scene. Zarela Martinez wrote me a few days before to say she was bringing Barry Wine as her guest and that was really super cool. We had um, Joan Digussow made the trip out mm-hmm. to come. It was amazing. Yeah. Really good. And we'll see you again next year. Yeah. We're already going to start planning when we're now. recovered yeah. in it one year from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now that the gala planning and, and everything is behind us, we the next sort of big event we have coming up that I want to talk about is the Stone Barns Center for Food and Agriculture is hosting their 12th annual Young Farmers Conference December 4th through 6th um, at Stone Barns in the Hudson Valley. And we're going to be teaming up with New Food Economy to co-host sort of a how to tell your story workshop for all the young farmers coming out. So a little bit of like how to talk to the press, how to tell your story on social media, a lot of tools that we hope to to give to them when obviously they're focusing on really important farming things, but also need to be able to talk to everyone, the public, the press about all the important work that they do. And then, um, on the second day, we're going to be doing some live interviews with all the farmers that are going to be uh, at Stone Barns from all across the country and, and put into practice some of the things that we talk about on the first day. So we're super excited about that. Yeah. Um, okay. Really quickly, we have a few more headlines we want to get through about some of the programming that's on HRN this week. Okay, here's our news music. we got to get in the spirit now. Uh, We had a great crossover this week on All in the Industry. Sherry Bayer welcomed fellow HRN host Dave Arnold as her guest. In addition to hosting Cooking Issues with Nastasia Lopez, Dave's a partner in the cocktail Mecca Existing Conditions in Greenwich Village. Tune in to episode 234 of All in the Industry to listen to Sherry and Dave's conversation Plus, find out about the new host summit and social that All in the Industry just announced. This is going to be a conference for and about the dynamic hospitality industry based on our All in the Industry show, taking place Monday, January 27th, 2020 at the William Vale in Williamsburg. Learn more at allintheindustry.com. Okay, so I have to give a shout out to the past two episodes of A Taste of the Past because both feature cookbooks that you should absolutely add to your collection this holiday season. So first up, the award-winning food writer Fuchsia Dunlop revised her 2001 book, Land of Plenty, to create a more encompassing book of the culture and recipes of Sichuan food. Catch her talking about it on A Taste of the Past, episode 339. And then this week's episode, coming out today, number 340, is all about the brand new edition of The Joy of Cooking. It's been nearly 90 years since Irma S. Rombauer self-published the first edition in 1931. 
And now John Becker, Irma's great-grandson, and his wife, Megan Scott, have spent nine years revising and updating the recipes and information for the newest edition of Joy of Cooking. That's amazing. I can't believe that it came out such a long time ago and it's still so iconic. Yeah. Um, And you may have heard my dulcet tones um, in a (laughs) teaser before this show, but I'm super excited to announce that we have released um, the first two episodes of a new limited series um, hosted by moi. It's called Hardcore, and it's a podcast about cider, and it's taking a close look at the sort of rebirth of cider in the United States, um, because we had cider culture was very important to early American history and then sort of went away after prohibition. Um, and right now is a really exciting moment. Uh, this week is New York cider week. So if you want to learn more about cider, taste some cider, hear from experts, there are tons of events going on and you can also learn about, um, history and terroir in our first two episodes. And we have four more coming over the next few weeks. It's going to be really, really fun. Yeah. So subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts. It's also available on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Not to be confused with Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. <laughs> yes. Which is maybe why we decided to name it that. We're yeah. hoping to capture some of that true crime audience and get them into cider. Yeah, we're not trying to, like, rig the algorithm or anything. <laughs> uh, but our Hardcore is two words, so. How do you feel about people calling it Hard Cider? Um... I'm going to let our listeners gauge that after they have a chance to tune in. Um, I think what you'll learn is saying hard cider is a little bit like saying chai tea. It's redundant. (laughs) Um, What you think of as being uh, like non-alcoholic cider is it's just apple juice. Yeah, it's just apple juice. Dope. Um, Okay, so Frank and Tamara, um, let's start with... Just give us kind of the background history of Clementines. How did it get started? Tamara, we've talked a little bit about how you sort of had a a total full career before this. And so how did you transition into making ice cream and then specifically boozy ice cream? Yeah, you know, you spend 25 years, you know, of your life and you like, oh, I have the dream job and I finally made it. And you're like, one day you wake up and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm not happy. I'm 38 years old. I have no husband. I have no children. I have don't have any family or friends around and I'm gone all the time and you know you miss like seeing people and touching people and I just was like super miserable and so I was with a bunch of girlfriends um, sitting on a lake on a dock having coffee one morning and I kind of like broke down the whole like ugly cry like open the kimono like it's not running down your face kind of cry and I was like I'm miserable and I can't do this anymore and my best girlfriend turns to me and she says quit I'm like, what do you mean quit? She's like, then quit. I'm like, you don't, you don't quit corporate America, right? Not, especially I'm the only person in my family to ever go to college and to really make it to what most people would say is super successful. Um, and I was just like, well, like what, what would I, what would I do? And my other girlfriend turns to me and she starts laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing at me? And she's like, you know, you're always complaining St. Louis doesn't have good ice cream. And you're always bitching. Can I say that? Yeah. Okay, great, great. You're always bitching our neighborhood doesn't have an ice cream shop. And that is your passion. Why don't you Mm. go do that? And I literally sat there and I was like, hmm. Had you made ice cream before? So I've been making ice cream my whole life since I was a kid. It's it's always been with me. It comes from a deep place in my soul. It changed my life as a kid and my sense of community. And so it's always been with me. We made it every Sunday after church growing up until my mom passed away. And it's something that, like, I kept. 
um, as my hobby and my passion. So, you know, I'd be on the road for two weeks at a time. I'd come home, and all I wanted to do is lock myself up in my house and make ice cream all weekend and just have fun. Like, the cheapest form of therapy is ice cream making, <laughs> for those of you who are interested. And uh, eating. Uh, want to mm-hmm. save a couple hundred bucks a week. Whatever. It really works. <laughs> I feel like we should it. get Jake to weigh in on this. I was going to say, like, I've definitely recommended... I've recommended ice cream before. Like, that'll that'll do it sometimes. Ah, all Are right. you accepting new patients? Uh. <laughs> you know, it's it's cheaper than therapy. I mean, I don't know longitudinally how well that'll work out, but in the short term, like, that'll do it. <laughs> There's something very magical about, um, you know, I invested in a really nice, high-end, expensive, like, ice cream maker where everything's built in, so I didn't have to deal with putting a bowl in the freezer and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But about that that creative process of, like, pulling something together or having an idea or deciding to build something creative out of a flavor profile of of a lamb dish, right, that I had the night before and thinking, oh my God, I bet this would really be interesting in ice cream. And so that creative process, that's like the best part about the job, mm. right? And so I think for me, when, when she made that suggestion, why I didn't think of it like sooner, but was like, wow, like, yeah, I could do that and make people happy every day and kind of own my own life and take it back. And and so literally that weekend, we put together my business plan, my financials, and my PowerPoint deck. Very corporate thing to do, you know. <laughs> um, and two weeks later, I resigned. And that was it. Well, speaking of corporate and, like, putting together a PowerPoint slide, is are there things from, like, the corporate, you know, your corporate past that have carried into what you're doing now, if at all? Yes, actually, I couldn't even do the boozy ice cream if I didn't have the the food science background that I had. And I, you know, I worked in the food industry for all these years. I know the best chemists and food scientists and product developers and sensory science folks like in the world, right? I've worked with all of them. So when it came time and my customer, so in the beginning when I started Clementines, um, I literally started in my kitchen, and then a very short time later, I said, you know, this really. this cottage industry thing if I want to grow isn't really going to work so I found a city owned incubator startup space so I went I went into there and I started making product and I spent like six months building like my whole food safety platform right so coming from the food industry I had this knowledge and this level of burden really to say okay if I'm going to do this I have to do this right so I have to set up HACCP and food safety and recall plans and traceability programs and a lot of things that most people even at much bigger levels don't have that are just starting to get now I started with that so I did all that and then I started making ice cream and then part of my plan was to get into restaurants first right I needed to get into all the like influential hipster restaurants, all the James Beard chefs, the really cool chefs. I needed to get on their menus because I needed people talking about me to, you know, raise buzz um, and drive chatter. And that's kind of exactly what happened. And one of my very first customers, actually a friend of mine, said, hey, I'm having a dinner party. I'm having 10 friends over can you make the ice cream for the dessert? And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, no problem. Well, what I didn't know is that 10 of, like, the best chefs and restaurateurs in St. Louis were going to be at that dinner. And so um, I met a really cool guy who owns some restaurants and a bar in St. Louis, and he was like, at, after dinner, they are like, okay, like, those were all my first customers, <laughs> right? Um, and Frank's restaurant I, ha- I have well. to know what, what flavor did you make for this dinner party? Mm. Uh, you're gonna laugh it was my gooey butter cake ice cream it's so good <laughs> it's so 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 good 
Can you explain what gooey butter cake is for the uninitiated? Sure, sure, sure. So gooey butter cake is a St. Louis thing. It's it's almost like it looks like a lemon bar or like a cream cheese sort of bar thing. Um, and it was actually made out of a mistake. So somebody in one of the old time grocers messed up a batch of what they were making. And it ended up being this really dense, creamy, luscious thing. And it kind of stuck, and they decided to sell it because they made, like, trays and trays of this thing. And it became, like, (laughs) the official dessert of St. Louis is, like, this gooey butter cake. And so when I started, I wanted to pay homage to St. Louis because I was so grateful, and am still, like, that I could follow my dreams in a city like St. Louis, which is amazing. And so I was like, I want to elevate this gooey butter cake to be, like, amazing in ice cream and to put it in an ice cream and to, like, make it amazing and creamy and have chunks of gooey butter cake in it um so that's that's what i did that's awesome i've elevated it in st louis i like think of gooey butter cake as like the quintessential like tailgate dessert yeah it's like yeah yeah, it's well it's like every kid who grew up in st louis that was their after school snack yeah like every mom every grandma every aunt like everybody knows how to make gooey butter cake and everyone will swear they have their family has the best gooey butter (laughs) cake recipe right and they're, like, fiercely, like, loyal to their recipe, too. So is that how the two of you kind of met and started working together? We actually met online. E-Harmony. E-Harmony. Ah. Sweet, sweet science Shout out work. to Dr. Neil Park Warren. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I met my wife. Yeah. Scientifically proven. And yes. we make sweet, sweet science every night. That's right. <laughs> um, but so you you were working in restaurants? I uh, yes, I'm the co-founder and owner of uh, Pie Pizzeria, uh, with five locations: four in St. Louis and one in Washington D.C. We famously fed then Senator Barack Obama, and uh, he called my business partner and said they're going to hate me in Chicago, but that's the best pizza I've ever had. Oh snap! Wow. Oh snap! Everyone wants an endorsement like that. <laughs> yeah. But also, I me, mean, Chicago pizza is terrible. <laughs> well, ironically, the, the pizza we serve is, is deep dish, but it is different from Chicago style. It is a deep dish cornmeal crust. We also have mm. a, a signature uh, thin crust as well. But it is a, a little lighter, a little bit fresher, mm. and certainly a, an emphasis on um, uh, really farm-to-table well, I've heard good things. ingredients. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. And then so, um, and you also have, um, the, you're the co-founder of Knife and Flag Survival Union. This just sounds so interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's uh, knifeandflag.com. We uh, make kick-ass aprons for creators and makers of this world. So uh, the barbering industry and tattooing industry, as well as the hospitality industry. And uh, welders and mm-hmm. wood carvers, like badass. Serious shit. Yeah. Serious shit and like... Like, if you're hot and you're a maker, like, you've got a knife in the flag. Okay? you got to have the look. Yeah. And the function. Yeah. Mormon function. Okay. But let's go even further back, Frank. Yes. So there's... 1963. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about who your next door neighbor was and how that oh, relates to see. what you were doing I this week. I grew up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, right next door to Andy Cohen. And I was uh, Andy Cohen's babysitter, one of his babysitters. I was his least favorite, though. <laughs> He liked the girls. And Andy was uh, everything mm-hmm. that you see on TV now. And he was a whirling dervish, and honestly, he scared the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> I was a, a painfully shy uh, child, 
and Andy was too much for me, and I think that's why we didn't click. How old were you when you were babysitting? Like, how old were you and how I old was, was he? Uh, I was 13, and mm-hmm. he would have been about 8. Oh, uh, wow. Probably to the ages of uh, 13 to 16, I, I looked after him occasionally. Was it just kind of like you could drop by because you were next door? and? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we were, uh, the neighborhood was very tight. All the kids were the same age group and played together. And yes, it was a great place to grow up in the Midwest. And their moms are BFFs. Oh. Okay, so tell us about going on the show, uh, Watch What Happens Live, and being the guest bartender. How was that? It was amazing. <laughs> and it was everything that you, you think it might be. It was a nonstop party. It yeah, was so fun. It was really fun. And that like the energy is like uh, contagious, right? Like everyone's drinking, everyone's having a good time and like you're feeling good and you know, Kathleen Turner was great, like she came out like normally like a lot of celebs, I'm guessing, don't really leave their green room before mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kathleen Turner was out talking to everybody and taking selfies and she she was super cool. Wait, Hannah, I don't think you know who the other guest was on the show with them. Lana Glazer. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> That's Hannah's favorite. She's eluding us. Yes. She's very cool and very gracious. And yes. uh, wait till you see how she was dressed. She looked uh, stunning Smashing. and very glamorous. That's amazing. No, Katie and I walked past her on our way to one of our live shows at Industry City a few weeks ago. And I'm very proud of myself for not just picking her up over my shoulder and bringing her home with me. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think she would have liked that. I wouldn't have done it. I had, I had my head down. I didn't realize. I just turned to Katie and I was, I was like, like <gasps> too many steps. Past. I would have totally been like, oh my God, excuse me, would you please come on our show? <laughs> She totally uh, would. Too. I feel like she would. Yeah, missed opportunity. Absolutely, it, it, it makes some uh, uh, yummy edibles. Oh yeah. Oh, oh did yeah. you guys talk about that? Uh, a little bit on the show. Like she's definitely a super fan of uh, Chiba Chews. I think that was Chiba Chews. Okay. Chiba Chews. They were talking about. I think. I, I don't know. It came up in conversation somehow. <laughs> Is that taffy? I think so. No, it's no? A, it's a marijuana infused oh. edible. Huh. Chewy, yummy thing. Chiba. I think. Yeah. I was just assuming they were like Chiba Taffy. So she would know. know. She would know her stuff. Yeah. I'm sure she's an expert. Okay. Yeah. Well, we. I'm looking at the clock. We should definitely take a quick break, and we're gonna break out some ice cream and talk boozy ice cream right <laughs> after this. Yeah. Super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. 
We are back on HR and Happy Hour, and we are now going to try four flavors. Four. They're all. They're all boozy. No. Yes, they they're are all boozy. boozy. Okay. It is Happy Hour after it, all. What's, what's the ABV of these it, things? It is Happy Hour. Huh? What's the ABV of these? Oh, so um, ABV is really hard to calculate because of the overrun that's spun into ice cream. Um, but we do it up to 18% of the recipe. Um, so I think here, probably the Manhattan is about 14%. Um, alcohol and the boozy banana rum is probably around 15 something. And then the bourbon is around 12 and the old fashioned is about the same as the Manhattan. Excellent. Um, so real quick too, before we talk more about like the boozy flavors, um, one thing that I've heard you speak a lot about is being a micro creamery. Mm-hmm. And talk about what, what that means and how that makes your ice creams different from other brands you'd find either at shops or in supermarkets. Sure. So um, I actually I think it was really cool. Um, the first time I was introduced to the concept of a micro creamery was at Penn State. They have this ice cream short course, what we call ice cream college, which is like super mm-hmm. intense and highly technical. And that's the first place that I heard of a micro creamery. And really, there's five qualifications that they say that you can call yourself a microcreamery if you follow. First being small batch, meaning a real person has to stand in front of the machine and make the ice cream. Two, handcrafted. Everything inside the ice cream has to be handcrafted. So um, we salt our own candies. We can our own pecans. If there's a pie, cake, or cookie, we make it, bake it, put it in it. Um, third is you have to be all natural, and we are the only certified all-natural ice cream maker in Missouri and actually within four states. So nothing artificial goes into our product at all. Um, And the fourth component is butterfat. In order to be microcreamery, you have to have more than um, 16% butterfat in the ice cream. And that's the butterfat in the ice cream is what carries the flavor on your palate, right? That coats your tongue and lets ice cream or sophisticated or really good ice creams, those flavors develop so that like you can take a bite and two minutes later you can still taste it, mm-hmm. right? Totally different than tasting an ice cream where it's like really sweet and then it's gone, mm-hmm. right? No flavor. It's just sweet, frozen, like wincing kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so then the last component um, is overrun. So in order to be an, a micro creamer, you have to have less than 30% overrun. Overrun is a technical term. It's about the amount of air that is spun into an ice cream. So as a benchmark, anything you'd find in a grocery store is probably 100% overrun, meaning that pint you're actually only getting 50% ice cream. The rest is air. (laughs) And so they do that because you can produce and get a lot more volume of product the more air that you whip into it, right? So they're using less product to fill more containers. So that's why big companies and people like to do. It's kind of a dirty little secret in the ice cream industry, and that's why the ice cream people out there don't like me because I've (laughs) opened the kimono and say, like, this is not right. Um, so that's the last component. So all of our ice creams have between 26 and 28%. And that's also why if you lift up the pint, it's so heavy. You'll be like, oh my gosh, compared to other ice creams. It's because we don't have all the air in, in the product. It's like picking a melon or something. You want one that's like heavy for its size. Right, right, right. I'm going to be going through the grocery store like holding the ice cream containers to pick one. Like well, a and another little dirty secret. Um, a couple of years ago, um, all the big ice cream companies out there, they reduced the size of their pints to 14 ounces 
and no none no American consumers noticed. And it was it was like in being in the food industry, we were like aghast that they would do that hmm. and that we figured they'd get all kinds of put no one even noticed. So our ice creams are an actual sixteen ounces, which is a pint. So if you look on the front of most pints, it'll be in milliliters. They won't put ounces on it because they don't run it's like it's so shady as shit. I was just looking at that and thinking like those look kind of like maybe because they're just beckoning to me so much, but they, they look a little stout, those tubs. Mm-hmm. Because so it's actually, actual I'm used to seeing <laughs> a shrunken yeah. pint. Yes. And a lot of them use like super false bottoms. Um, mm, and, right. and I won't call them out, but like there's a certain ice cream company out there that when they make their ice cream, as soon as it's packaged, they flip it upside down. Mm. So what happens is uh-huh. it, it freezes to the lid. So when, as a consumer, you open it, you see this full pint to the lid and well, what happens over time, taking it in and out of the freezer and digging into it, all that ice cream with the air settles, and so you have no idea that that's familiar. Is that's why that you one. have to eat yeah. it all in one sitting, so you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so these are like little tidbits, like you know. Fascinating. So yeah. in in the, in the episode uh, forty of Meet and Three that. Um, Tamara was in um, we did like a sort of cost breakdown of the super premium versus premium versus regular ice creams to talk about like how much are you paying for your air it's like very interesting and fascinating yes okay let's let's pass these around dig in Um, we're gonna start some trivia and then we'll talk about uh, well everyone thinks about the flavors and talk favorite flavors okay where do you want to start anywhere okay so I'm gonna pass this one around Uh, spoons are there all right we're doing boozy banana and this first. is family style, so yes. everyone's just gonna have to like dig in and take a scoop pass. Deal with it. Um, okay, so <laughs> this is my favorite command of being handed boozy ice cream <laughs> on a Thursday. <laughs> deal with it. It's family style. I deal with it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, so we're gonna start with the boozy banana rum with a butterscotch caramel swirl in it. It's amazing, and we use um, Lady Bly spiced rum, which is awesome which has the perfect flavor profile for me. Can you talk about how you, I know it's proprietary, but like, can you talk a, a little bit about how you put the booze in the ice cream? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Moving on. Very carefully. <laughs> Very carefully. Okay, while we taste this one, our trivia today. Are you falling in love with me? Yes. I already was in love with you, <laughs> but it's just deepening. I love it. Mm. Mm. I love banana. Anything. Okay. That's so good. <laughs> awesome. Okay. The mm. next one we're going to pass around is an old fashioned. And um, we, I try to use local spirits where I can. Um, I'm lucky and fortunate enough that um, there is a company in St. Louis called Luxco that it's a local family. They own Lady Bly, Rebel Yell, Pearl Vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are always very kind and generous. And so we collaborate with them a lot. Um, and uh, another local brand called Rally Point Rye Whiskey, and that's what I use in the old-fashioned. The old-fashioned. Yeah. What do you think? The thing is that this is, like, almost going to ruin old-fashions for me. Like, <laughs> You're like, can you add some cream can to you that? Right. It, but, like, ice cream? <laughs> Have you tried that? Like, to kind of almost reverse engineer than the cocktail based on the ice cream? Oh, my God. I have, depending on the flavor. That would be so good. Have you done... An old-fashioned float? I don't. I haven't done an old-fashioned float, but that would be <laughs> wickedly cool. We're we're there. It's happening. Do we have? I think we might be able to do that. Like, <laughs> we just need some ice. Right, well, right and, and maybe the, we maybe, need an orange. Maybe we'll make that. Maybe this part of the signature dessert next year at your gala. Oh my god! <gasps> yes, I would love to do that. <gasps> you guys are hired. 
Oh right. my! Wouldn't that be cool? God! Oh, I'm my head is exploding with possibilities yes. Yes, right yes, now. Yes, yes. That would be just so outrageous, and I'll be able to like it's really drink again by then. Yes. It's a date. It's a d- I never thought right, I would babe? be this excited to talk about that? the okay. gala again. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like normally, like, if people bring up another gala-related no. thing right now, it's, like, very tender. We're like, yeah, we'll think about that later. No, this is like, We're going to yes. make a note and talk to you about this in six months. We're doing <laughs> a debrief this afternoon. We're going to write all our notes and ideas awesome. for next year. This is the top of the list of things to remember awesome, awesome. for next oh year. <laughs> okay. So the next one we're going to pass around, this is our maple bourbon with salted candied pecans, which we make in-house. Missouri pecans. Missouri pecans, yes. Ooh, talk yes. about Missouri pecans. So the, They're grown in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Very what? carefully grown in Missouri. Get out of town. <laughs> Actually, it's really cool. The... Um, it has the Missouri Pecan Association Growers is actually this really cool organization that like helps market and like sell these pecans from all these local farmers in Missouri's who who don't have the time, effort, northern knowledge, Missouri. or skill. Right. right. Yeah, right. northern Missouri. Yeah. So we can love you taste the pecans. difference between say a Georgia pecan and a Missouri pecan? Um, let me tell you. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay, tell me. <laughs> This one tastes more ice creamy. <laughs> mm. For good reason. For good reason. I like that you saved my favorite for last. Yes. <laughs> um, so this is actually super, I think, like, I love this ice cream, and I work really hard for all of my ice creams. They're, I think they're trying to, I don't want to say sophisticated, because it makes it sound like it's kind of bougie, but they continue to, like, develop on your palate. So just, mm. like, having a great, amazing cocktail um, you take a sip and like the, you know, the tip of your tongue tastes one part of it and then the next part of your tongue and then your glands back here. So for this ice cream, I was like, I worked on it for a really long time to get it to taste just like the cocktail. And so I think it's just like, I don't know. I think it's like super sexy. This is my absolute favorite because I love the cherries in it. Yes. So we use. Fabri cherries. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're really. Uh, Amarino. Mm-hmm. Amarino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really beautiful cherries. Um, I, you know, my staff, we, we offer them as a topping in our stores, and sometimes Ooh. I see them eating. I'm like, that's 35 cents each. For real. They're, <laughs> For not, real. they're not cheap. No, they're not cheap. But Fabry makes the best Amarena cherries out there. They're just yum, yum. phenomenal. Okay. Mm. It's almost a little disconcerting to have a container ice cream that actually tastes like the flavors where it's labeled. I'm so used to having a maple syrup that tastes like high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it actually tastes like maple. Yeah, I really believe in, like, the authenticity of our product and of our ingredients. I mean, we could talk all day long about the vanilla and what's happening in the world and how much I spend a gallon compared to everyone else in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think having those real ingredients, you get a really authentic product. I mean, when we're making these ice creams, I mean, we're, like, crafting the cocktail, but in ice cream. Yeah. So maybe we can also, like, mix in your your day friend from... uh, Oh, existing condition. Yeah, I smell some exciting collaboration yeah. on the horizon. Yeah, I think that would be. I think super you guys cool. need to go by his bar. Yeah. For I sure. think we're going to definitely I know. try what, to do that. Are you still? Are you still in New York for like till Saturday? Minute? They oh, might yeah. be staying through Saturday because they might go see Harry Styles at SNL. That's oh, right. it's like that. <laughs> I see. Because um, they love One Direction. Conditions mm-hmm. And talk to Dave and um, please. That'd be fun. Please make a float. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We can thank it all to you guys. Yeah, Harris well, Sanders. doesn't he? What's does he have an old fashioned in the vending machine? He has a man. He has a bottled Manhattan. Okay. Yeah, so. I believe. Yeah, he, he has he has a bottled vending machine where you get a token and you put it in the machine. That's awesome. 
That's yeah. awesome. And the hot, it's hot poker season now, guys, so you can go get hot poker drinks, too. Oh, that's cool. Public service announcement. You're <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Um, okay, so I think everyone should keep digging in to the yeah, ice cream before it melts. Yeah, it's causing me lots of anxiety sitting there melting, so grab please it, grab enjoy it, grab it, it, eat it. Like, melted ice cream, I'm like, ah. Okay, we're going to do some trivia while everyone finishes eating ice cream. So I joked that I was going to do Real Housewives trivia in honor of your Andy Cohen connection, but we're not actually going to do that because I don't know anything about it. So it would be very hard for me to write that trivia. Instead, we're going to do some trivia in honor of St. Louis. I'm calling it Arches to Anywhere. Okay, so the first question is... Pressure is on. 630 feet. Correct. No, it's not the St. Louis Gateway Arch question. Oh. Um, not yet, at least. Okay. And everyone can feel free to jump in. I don't think anyone's seen the question, the answers except for me. Okay, question number one. The architect Stanley Clark Meston designed two yellow arches for what roadside burger stand? McDonald's. Correct. <laughs> Jake's got this look like, I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to think, what else could it possibly be? Right, exactly. That would have been a crazy trick question. Question number two. Yellowstone National Park's iconic arch, which reads, for the benefit and enjoyment of the people, is named after which U.S. president? I'm going to go with Teddy Roosevelt. That is correct. Woohoo! Good job. It was really, he was the only president it could possibly be. He uh, did love the national parks. Bully. (laughs) (laughs) Question number three. The second tallest triumphal arch in the world is in which Asian city that you'd be advised to not visit? Somewhere in North Korea. The city or the arch? This, what city is it in? Pyongyang? Correct. <laughs> I, was, okay, I knew it was in North no. Korea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been to the DMZ zone? It's very scary. Have you? I have. I've wow. spent a lot of time in South Korea. For ice cream? Um, <laughs> I was doing R&D. But um, at the uh, in, well, in like South up, Korea, yeah. yeah. So you can DMZ. like go. You can go like up to the. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can get go in, in the building. building. DMC, right? But yeah, exactly. Um, you kimchi can't go in- ice cream debuts next year. Uh, actually, I already have a kimchi ice cream. I'm like, that's really? Sign me up. That sounds actually yeah. amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Um, question number four is: the Rua Augusta Arch is one of the main tourist attractions in Lisbon, Portugal. It was built to commemorate the reconstruction of the city. After what type of natural disaster in 1755? Earthquake. Earthquake is correct. Oh, nice, Ruby. Ten's, ten points for the interns. <laughs> I just reread the New Yorker article, the big one. Or, and uh, It's one of my favorite articles it of was all time. So, I, all day I've been like really jumpy from it. I had read it like years ago when it came out. That's just, the one about what happens if it happens in the Pacific Northwest, right? Mm-hmm. Not if, Kat. When? when. when. You're right. Yeah. When, how, how woefully unprepared everyone's going to yeah. start building bunkers again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all the people that have lots of money are just buying property in uh, like Denver or the mm. Midwest because they're like, it's inevitable. <laughs> Got to go inland. We're like something like 315 years into a 256 year cycle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty dire. Thank God for this ice cream. (laughs) So um, we were talking about the bottoms of ice cream pint containers, and we're going to do a study of those in just a minute. (laughs) Awesome. The important thing is Clementine's is in St. Louis, where uh, 
They're not in danger. So the yes. ice cream will be safe. And where the cost of living in real estate <laughs> is really cheap. You know, you can buy like a really nice two bedroom, two bath house for like $80,000 no, no. in a great neighborhood. <laughs> Who's moving to St. Louis? Yeah, you can rent that for, that's what you're talking about, right? One year to rent it? <laughs> no, yeah, no. yeah, to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The last question. The designer of the St. Louis Gateway Arch was Eero Saarinen, a Finnish-American who also designed the TWA Flight Center at JFK. This iconic mid-century terminal-turned-hotel was featured in what movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks? Catch Me If You Can. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I really want to go there. It looks so cool. Yes. Who was just there? Someone more friendly. Katie Flagg. Luke. Luke Schmecker. Luke Schmecker. Oh. I saw Katie Flagg posted. It and, must have been a Shaxbury thing. And um, Lady Lady was there, too. Doing some uh, travel influencing. <laughs> That's what she <laughs> influencing does. Influencing some travel. Travel influencing. Yeah. It looked really, really cool. How do you get that gig? She has a company a called kind. Go Journey. That like mm-hmm. it's like a on-demand travel concierge. It's really that. cool. It's really. I, I used it once for uh, going to Paris. They like can book you some reservations that are hard to get. So awesome. It's a it's a good little thing to have in your back pocket good if you're like, know. I don't how, like how do you get a reservation at a I don't know. Bistro Paul Bear. Mm. You can't. So I'll share a tip with you about that that someone actually shared with me in, when I was in Paris. They said if you walk into like the nicest, fanciest hotels, you go to the concierge desk and everyone wants to earn money, right? And they like you like set it down on the counter and you'd be like, I would really like to get a reservation at blah, blah, blah. And they will be like, we'll take care of it. And so in Par- I used to do that in Paris and all the big cities. I would like walk into the concierge because they know people everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And I've if never I really want to get that, you know, what's 50 bucks like if you're going to go like have a once in a lifetime experience at? It's brilliant. Right? Yeah. So is, is that the denomination? It's like a 50? It kind of depends where you want to go, mm-hmm. right? So how do you figure that out? Like, do they ever take it and they're like, no, like a little more? No. You if you're not staying at the like, hotel, though, you just walk out. You're like, all right, I tried. Right, right. Like, I don't, I don't know. You kind of like, I'm going to go back to my Airbnb now. <laughs> <laughs> my, my 10 flights of studio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to London and Paris over Thanksgiving. I might try that. You should. I might try that. I'll report back on how it goes. If you're going to Paris, too, uh, just like a little plug, because I think this woman is amazing. Her name is Heather Stimler Hall. She was like the first American blogger in Paris, like years and years and like 20 plus years ago. And she started doing blogging and she has a um, blog called The Secrets of Paris. And she tells you about all the secret cool stuff in the city mm-hmm. that most people don't know about. And she also did a, um, a naughty Paris in the book. And so like all kinds of naughty things in Paris that you wouldn't know about. It's super cool. The Secrets of Paris. Secrets of Paris. Got it. Noted. I do like that the takeaway from this is, you know what works really well is bribery. <laughs> like that's how you really get what yes. you need. It's just, I mean, it's helping. You're, you're contributing to the economy. <laughs> Getting good reservations. Oh. All right. Well, I think that's our show. Uh, does anybody want to shout out their favorite ice cream flavors? Ooh. These ones. <laughs> yeah, I, a, a banana rum. Banana. I mean, that was banana an easy rum. one for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with Jess. I think Jess and I are going to demolish the old-fashioned pipe. <laughs> okay. um, uh, we're going to see about making a float. I'm also really excited for the in-between show break that's coming up because our next host just walked in, and I really want you oh. guys to meet them. Uh, one is Valerie Lomas. This is the, the host of Why um, Food. And okay. Valerie Lomas won the Great American Baking Show. She's that's a awesome. lawyer-turned 
Baker extraordinaire working on a book. And Ethan Frisch is um, uh, the founder of Burlap and Barrel, which is a single origin spice company. And I just feel like you guys should talk. Yeah, I love spices. And their show is about people that change careers into foods. So mm-hmm. there awesome. you go. Yeah. Um, very last question. Um, how can people order Clementines if they don't live in St. Louis? They can order it online at clementinescreamery.com. We ship it all over the country with dry ice. So people are always asking, well, how do you ship it with dry ice? <laughs> it will get be to a you melty mess. Yes, yes. We very frozen. gladly received some this summer. It was not melted at all. It was perfection. Awesome. And then we promptly ate it all up. <laughs> um, we actually had people like trying to eat it. It was in like the communal office fridge. Oh, and yeah. we like labeled we, like, it like do not them eat. away with spoons. Like how dare you? We were sharpening our spoons. <laughs> No, I like almost like threw down with a guy. Cause he, I saw, he took one out in front of me and I was like, Hi, hello, hello, sir. This is ours. And he was like, yeah, okay. I was like, me need it's not yours. Stop. <laughs> we, we did like a, a morning TV show not that long ago. And we put the ice creams in the freezer. And when it came time to like pull them out, like people had already <gasps> stolen them. It was oh, awesome. No. I mean, it was bad, but it was kind They're of like, awesome at, at least the same they time. like it. Yeah. You know, like it's popular. But it was you know. Yeah, but you needed it for the thing, for the yeah, segment. we needed it for the thing, but, yeah. you know, we, we, we worked it out. Can't, can't just, like, make it appear. <laughs> Take some an time. empty pint, Andy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, Frank and Tamara, thank you so much for joining us. It's, thank like, you. a pleasure to have us. you here. It Come back anytime. Pleasure. And, uh, Jake, thank you so much for being here, having lunch with us, and we just love having you here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Well, that's our show. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, it's Amanda. We're ready <laughs> to finish eating this boozy ice cream, and we will see you next Thursday. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.